The wind howled through the streets of London in January 1886. Bundled in his wool overcoat, Dr. Jonathan Hutchinson retreated to his one-room clinic, followed by a gust of snow. It was a winter day like any other, until that afternoon when a young woman came rushing into his office. She held a small child by the hand and introduced him as her son. The boy stood an average height for his age, about three feet tall, but Dr. Hutchinson could barely believe he was only three years old. He had the weathered features of a 70-year-old man. Under candlelight, the doctor could see the boy's blue veins running beneath his translucent, wrinkled skin. He was bald, with a beak-like nose and thin lips. When the doctor beckoned him closer, he walked with an arthritic limp. Despite his deteriorating body, the boy was sharp-witted, cheerful, and extremely intelligent. He was fully aware of his body's rapid deterioration. His mother begged Dr. Hutchinson to help her son before it was too late. In his 36 years of medicine, Hutchinson had never seen anything like this. In fact, he was the first known medical professional in history to come across the rare aging syndrome now known as progeria. A mysterious medical condition that would claim the boy's life far too soon. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life or death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our special one-part episode on progeria, an aging syndrome otherwise known as Hutchinson-Gilford progeria syndrome. This rare condition affects one out of every four to eight million people worldwide. Children diagnosed with progeria show no signs of it at birth, but their bodies begin rapidly aging before reaching two years old. This week, we'll unravel the mystery of progeria through the eyes of one inspiring patient, Haley Okines. After learning of their child's condition in 1999, the Okines family worked tirelessly to give Haley a comfortable and fulfilling life. Along the way, the Okines discovered a few groundbreaking treatment options that gave others with progeria much-needed hope. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Just a few weeks before Christmas 1997, Carrie Okines awoke in the middle of the night to intense stomach pains. She was finally becoming a mother. Carrie's husband, Mark, rushed her to the nearest hospital in Hastings, England. And after 40 hours of labor, they welcomed their first child into the world. Haley Leanne Okines. Haley had ten fingers, ten toes, and a mop of thick brown hair. The doctors assured her parents that she was a healthy, happy baby girl. It wasn't long before Carrie was confronted with the challenges of motherhood. At night, Haley would stir every few hours to eat. The family's midwife referred to her as a grazer, meaning she didn't consume a lot of food, but she requested it often. But as time wore on, her daughter's grazing habit grew worrisome for Carrie. Typically, newborn babies grow about a half a pound a week, but Haley was only gaining a few ounces. Weeks after she was born, Haley still fit in the tiny pink dress she'd worn home from the hospital. At about six months, Haley's health grew even more concerning. Carrie noticed two small lumps growing next to her daughter's belly button. The Okines asked their pediatrician if Haley had developed a hernia somehow related to her apparent malnourishment. A hernia occurs when an organ penetrates a weak spot in the muscle or fatty tissues. They're actually not uncommon for newborns. Three to five percent of healthy babies are born with a hernia that sometimes won't show for months. The pediatrician told the Okines that Haley appeared to be completely healthy. There was nothing to worry about, no hernia, no anything. But by Haley's first birthday, doctors started to share Carrie and Mark's concerns. Haley still hadn't gained much weight, the lumps on her stomach remained present, and her skin had become thin, almost translucent. Doctors referred the Okines to a specialist at London Guy's Hospital. So at least once every couple of weeks, they took a two-hour train ride from their home in Bexel into the city. There, doctors ran tests on Haley to determine what was wrong. After ruling out chromosomal abnormalities, doctors postulated that Haley's low weight might be due to a disorder known as cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis is a hereditary condition that affects the digestive system and lungs. It disturbs the cells that create necessary fluids, things like mucus, stomach acids, and sweat. As a result, 
blockages occur in the body that makes it hard for individuals to gain weight, fight infections, and breathe. This condition occurs in every one of 3,000 newborns and is often fatal. After hearing the words cystic fibrosis, Carrie thought back to a young neighbor she had growing up. When he was diagnosed with the disease, his parents were told that he wouldn't live past his 14th birthday. Carrie shuddered at the thought. A few weeks later, Haley's cystic fibrosis test came back negative. Mark and Carrie breathed a sigh of relief. Their hunt for answers was far from over, but at the very least, they'd crossed one life-threatening condition off their list. In 1999, as Haley came up on her second birthday, the Okines were referred to a clinical geneticist at a renowned children's hospital in London. There, the Okines heard the news that changed their world forever. The doctor, Sheila Mohammed, sat them down and said, we think Haley may have a rare genetic condition called Hutchinson-Guilford progeria. Too terrified to ask any follow-up questions, Kerry and Mark simply wrote down the name of the disease as technicians ran a biopsy to confirm. First, they extracted a few hair samples. Then they numbed Haley with an injection so they could slice a patch of skin from her arm, a process that left Haley with a lifelong fear of needles. Dr. Mohammed told the Okines that it would be a couple of weeks until the results came in. For the Okines, it was the longest two weeks of their life. In that time, Carrie and Mark took to researching the internet. They entered the word progeria into a search engine and found startling images of children that looked nothing like their Haley. One 12-year-old girl looked so thin that they could see the bones in her arms. Her face resembled that of someone eight times her age. Another young boy had a large head and wide-set eyes, but like Haley, he had nearly translucent skin. Carrie began to panic. There was no way her daughter had progeria. Aside from thin skin and her short stature, Haley didn't share any of these same features. Not to mention, she was intellectually advanced for her age. Haley had learned how to walk at 10 months old, a couple of months ahead of the average child. At just one and a half years old, she was forming full sentences and counting to ten. Carrie and Mark did everything to assure themselves that Haley was healthy, but they learned everything they could about progeria anyway. They discovered that the word progeria derives from the Greek word meaning prematurely old. Apart from stunted growth, children with progeria don't typically show many signs in their first few years of life. The physical abnormalities associated with the disorder typically don't appear in a prominent way until age two or three. By age four, a person with Hutchinson-Guilford progeria has usually started to develop a smaller-than-average face, larger-than-average eyes, a misshapen jawline, and a beak-like nose. Progeria also causes the fat layer beneath the skin to deteriorate, which can, in turn, contribute to the skin appearing translucent. 
As time wears on, complications arise that are typically associated with old age. Things like arthritis, brittle bones, and dental decay. The condition was first identified in 1886 by an English surgeon named Dr. Jonathan Hutchinson. After meeting a three-year-old boy with a rare disorder, Hutchinson documented the condition in his paper, Congenital Absence of Hair and Mammary Glands. About a decade later, another English doctor named Hastings Guilford learned of another patient living with the illness. And it was Guilford who gave the disorder its name, progeria. But due to the pioneering work of both doctors, it's also commonly referred to as Hutchinson-Guilford progeria. Despite their best efforts, neither Hutchinson nor Guilford ever found the root cause of the disorder. But they did postulate that the condition was genetic and that it had a 100% mortality rate. The more Carrie and Mark learned, the more devastated they became. But Mark tried to reassure Carrie with statistics. Progeria only affected one in every eight million children. They had a better chance of winning the lottery than the results coming back positive. When the two weeks were up, the Okines returned to the hospital to retrieve Haley's diagnosis. They walked into Dr. Mohammed's office with little Haley in their arms. Dr. Mohammed closed the door behind them and with a stern face asked them to take a seat. Suddenly, Carrie felt the room spin around her. She heard a ringing in her ears as her heart sank. Before Dr. Mohammed even said anything, she anticipated her words. She said they had a very special little girl, one in eight million. It was confirmed, Haley had progeria. Dr. Mohammed didn't soften the truth. She told them that finding answers would be hard. At the time, there were only 40 known cases of progeria in the world, one in the United Kingdom. But Haley had just bumped that number up to two. Carrie couldn't help but ask, what's the prognosis? Dr. Mohammed told the young mother that Haley wasn't expected to live past her 13th birthday. Coming up, Haley adapts to life with progeria. Parcasters, you know the world can be chaotic and unpredictable, but how far would you go to turn the tides of favor in your direction? In the newest Spotify original from Parcast, we're taking a closer look at bad omens, good luck charms, and age-old traditions that just might have the power to change our fates. Each episode of Superstitions presents a new drama that unpacks a different belief. Can holding your breath while passing a cemetery save your life? Will carrying a rabbit's foot bring you luck? How can you go through life always avoiding the number 13? And why should you try? They may seem mystical, unusual, completely illogical. But one thing is certain. You ignore them at your own risk. You can find and follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To hear more ParCast shows, search ParCast Network in Spotify's search bar and find a growing slate of thrilling new series to enjoy. 
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. After doctors diagnosed Haley Okines with progeria in 1999, her family was at a loss for what to do. The condition would likely take Haley's life before she turned 13. But the Okines were determined to prove the prognosis wrong. They sifted through books, articles, and journals for more information. There had to be something or someone who could help their little girl. Eventually, their quest for answers led them to a research scientist at the University of Brighton named Dr. Richard Farragher. Like those before him, Farragher told the Okines that he understood very little about the mechanics of progeria. Still, he believed that the disorder was caused by a faulty gene, one that had yet to be discovered. While the condition was genetic, it was unlikely to have existed for any length of time in her family's genes. In reality, the doctor said, it was probably the result of a random genetic mutation that occurred in one of her parents and was then passed down to her. With diseases such as progeria, there's usually no family history of the condition. That's because once a person presents with the syndrome, they don't typically live long enough to have children of their own. While Dr. Farragher's words were meant to provide insight, for the Okines, they felt like yet another dead end. Once again, they left feeling devastated. Still, they didn't give up. Carrie's mother suggested a different way to educate themselves. Maybe they should connect with other families and children battling the condition. In her mind, if there was any comfort to be found, it was in knowing they weren't alone. So Carrie connected with a mother named Doreen in Northampton, England. Two decades prior, Doreen adopted a son with progeria. He had passed away from complications related to the condition almost four years earlier, but he had lived to 22 years old almost double the lifespan doctors predicted for Haley. Finding someone who could relate to their circumstances was life-changing for the Okines. But Doreen didn't just offer empathy. She gave Carrie and Mark valuable resources. She told them about a program called the Sunshine Progeria Reunion in the United States, where Haley could meet other kids with the same condition. Doreen also helped connect the Okines with two pediatricians in the U.S., Dr. Leslie Gordon and her husband, Dr. Scott Burns. Their three-year-old son, Sam, had been diagnosed with progeria around the same time as Haley. Like the Okines, they were incredibly frustrated with the lack of information. Dr. Gordon even created a foundation for patients with progeria that offered support and funded research. They wanted to isolate the gene that caused the disorder. If they could find the silent killer, there could be hope for a treatment, maybe even a cure. 
After meeting Dr. Gordon, the Okines felt optimistic for the first time since Haley's diagnosis. Finally, they had some hope. One of the most threatening aspects of progeria is a slow hardening of the arteries over time. This restricts blood flow to the body and can lead to strokes or heart attacks, the leading causes of death in progeria patients. While there was no known cure for progeria, the Okines were prescribed a cocktail of drugs that could regulate Haley's blood flow. But the medications were just one small part of her medical routine. Haley needed a high concentration of fluoride to prevent tooth decay. Like other children with progeria, she had an underdeveloped jawbone, which stunts the growth of adult teeth, making them soft and brittle. Her stomach was so underdeveloped that she had a hard time eating. She required a nutrient-rich bottle of formula every night before bed. Haley took four daily doses of vitamin E to help her heart health. And every week, she went to a 30-minute hydrotherapy session to alleviate the pain in her aging limbs. Seeing her daughter have to go through so much and still be in pain was harrowing for Carrie and Mark. But for Carrie, any time she got discouraged, she thought back to a piece of advice she received from Doreen. Don't waste your time worrying about what might be. Make every minute count for Haley. In 2000, the Okines signed up for the annual Sunshine Progeria reunion in Washington, D.C. Now that Haley was almost three, they felt it was important for her to meet other children with the same condition. Of the 40 children who lived with progeria around the world, 27 flew in for a week of pre-planned activities. While trained volunteers watched over the kids, Mark, Carrie, and dozens of other parents learned more about the rare condition. They discovered that there wasn't just one form of progeria. Haley lived with Hutchinson-Gilford progeria, the most common form of the condition. But there were others. Some of the children at the program lived with Werner's syndrome, a late-onset progeria. This typically begins after puberty and affects the body's development into adulthood. Those with Werner's syndrome have many of the same symptoms as Hutchinson-Gilford progeria, but they can live to be about 46 years old. There was also Bloom syndrome. In addition to aging irregularities, this variation of progeria causes children to develop a wide range of cancers, most commonly leukemia. The information was both illuminating and humbling for the Okines. But by far the best part of the trip was watching Haley beam with joy as she played with other children who understood her own experience. In 2001, Haley attended school for the first time, but she was acutely aware of the differences between her and the other students. Shopping for a school uniform was especially difficult. Haley hadn't grown much since she was a toddler, and she had started to lose her hair. Carrie recalled her daughter asking about her half-sister. Haley had asked, when I get older and lose my progeria, will I have hair like Stacy? Carrie didn't have the heart to tell her little girl that the answer required a miracle. And it didn't seem that a miracle was coming. 
Haley's health steadily declined throughout grade school. She continued to lose more body fat. Her arthritis worsened to where she had a hard time even straightening her fingers or bending down to put on her shoes. But while her body was failing, Haley's mind was incredibly sharp. She was forming strong opinions of her own, and she wanted nothing more than to be independent. When she developed bed sores, her nurse suggested she use a special cushion. But Haley didn't want to. If other kids didn't need it, why should she? Haley started to dislike certain treatments, resisting her regular trips to the hospital. She grew resentful. Carrie reasoned with her daughter. It was the only way she would stay healthy. They were in it together, and they'd do everything they could to make sure Haley lived to find a cure. They reported once a week to the hospital for an echocardiogram, a machine that used sound waves to capture an outline of Haley's heart. Doctors needed to monitor its valves and chambers to ensure blood was flowing normally. They wanted to catch any warning signs of a possible heart attack or stroke. They knew her health could take a turn at any moment. Late one evening, Carrie awoke to the sounds of six-year-old Haley calling from her bedroom, complaining about terrible pains in her chest. Carrie rushed to her side. Sweat dripped down Haley's face. She looked pale. Carrie and Mark drove Haley to the nearest emergency department as fast as they could. There, doctors in the cardiac unit hooked Haley up to an ECG to keep an eye out for any anomalies. Luckily, the following morning, Haley felt much better. She'd regained color in her cheeks and her heart rate returned to normal. She'd experienced an episode of supraventricular tachycardia, a severe spike in her heart rate. This can happen when the electrical wirings of the heart temporarily malfunction. It's often related to stress or fear. The Okines had watched fireworks earlier that night, so Haley may have been distressed or a bit nervous. The noises may have triggered her episode. Though it sounds and is terrifying, supraventricular tachycardia isn't usually life-threatening. But the false alarm reminded Mark and Carrie how precious their time with Haley really was. In 2005, the Okines took eight-year-old Haley to Disney World, where they met up with doctors Leslie Gordon, Scott Burns, and their nine-year-old son, Sam. As the parents watched their kids spin themselves dizzy in a pastel teacup, Dr. Gordon told the Okines that she had some promising news. They wondered what it could be. Two years earlier, researchers with the Progeria Research Foundation had discovered the genetic mutation that caused progeria. The gene in question is called LMNA. In a healthy individual, this gene is responsible for the production of two proteins, lamin A and progerin. Lamin A helps to keep each cell's nucleus intact. Progerin is shorter than lamin A, and this difference in form causes it to be slightly toxic. Despite its toxicity, everyone has progerin in their cells. It's normal for it to accumulate with age. However, those with progeria have a mutated version of the LMNA gene. 
This causes their bodies to make an excess of progerin, which leads to molecular instability, causing their cells to deteriorate at a faster pace. While discovery of the faulty gene happened in 2003, Dr. Gordon was now telling the Okines that the Progeria Research Foundation had found a drug that proved effective, at least in mice. And now it was almost ready for human clinical trials. Dr. Gordon asked if Haley would consider being one of the first to participate. She wasn't guaranteed to be accepted into the trial, and it wouldn't be without risks. But the results could change everything. Coming up, Haley joins a team of brave patients risking their lives to find a cure. Now, back to the story. In 2003, doctors discovered the gene that caused the aging syndrome progeria, and they had a drug that could potentially treat it. Haley was one of only 40 children in the world diagnosed with this rare disorder. So, Dr. Gordon asked the Okines if they'd be willing to let Haley participate in the first ever clinical trials. Kerry and Mark spent many sleepless nights weighing the pros and cons. Haley had already been through so much, not to mention potential side effects could range anywhere from an upset stomach to death. But she would soon be turning nine years old, more than halfway through her life expectancy. If this drug worked, it could double Haley's life expectancy. She could look forward to the milestones she craved, like getting her driver's license, going to college, falling in love. Ultimately, the Okines decided it was a risk worth taking. In 2006, Haley and 14 other children were flown to the United States where they underwent preliminary examinations at the National Institutes of Health. Doctors measured and tested each child to make sure they were healthy enough to participate. They hooked Haley up to a heart rate monitor and had her walk on a treadmill to see how her heart reacted under strain. Then, doctors performed a full-body MRI, a 45-minute procedure in a dark, noisy machine. But Haley pushed through her fears and braved every test the trial required. They analyzed her weight, height, blood, bones, even her teeth. Afterwards, the Okines returned to England. They prayed that the trip wasn't in vain, that Haley would be given a chance at a longer, healthier life. But it would be almost a year before they learned the results. In April 2007, the Okines finally got the call. Haley, along with 28 other children from 16 different countries, had been accepted. The Okines had little time to celebrate. Haley needed to be in Boston by May to receive her first treatment. And they were told that over the next two years, they would need to travel to Boston every four months. But it didn't matter. They were being offered a way forward, and the Progeria Research Foundation would be paying for everything. On their first trip, Haley spent five days at the Boston Children's Hospital under the careful supervision of the best doctors in the world. First, doctors needed to re-examine her health 
to make sure that she was still okay to participate. But on the fifth day of her stay, Haley was officially approved to take what doctors considered the miracle drug. It was called a Farnesyl transferase inhibitor, or FTI for short. In simple terms, progeria occurs when a molecule called the Farnesyl group latches to progerin, the protein that's produced in excess by the faulty gene. It's only when this molecule is attached to progerin that the protein prohibits normal cell function. FTIs work like little security guards, preventing poison proteins from damaging the cell. This would minimize the effects caused by the overproduction of progerin and potentially keep the body from aging so quickly. On the day of Haley's first treatment, Mark brought the family camcorder. Medical professionals filled the room, cheering Haley on. For the Okines, and especially Haley, the ordinary task of swallowing a pill became a momentous occasion. Two days later, the Okines returned to England with enough medicine to tide Haley over until they could return to Boston. Carrie and Mark left feeling overwhelmed and unbelievably grateful. For the first time, Haley stood a fighting chance against her condition. The medication had its downsides like nausea and exhaustion. But Haley's overall health made significant progress. Prior to treatment, she had about two centimeters in height every six months. But from 2008 to 2009, Haley's growth rate doubled. She'd even regrown some hair on her arms and eyebrows. What would be negligible changes for some were milestones for the Okines and the team of doctors at Boston Children's Hospital. As the clinical trial came to an end in spring of 2009, doctors announced a possible extension. They wanted to pair the FTI treatments with two other drugs to see if they could improve on their results. One was bisphosphonate to prevent the loss of bone density. The other was a class of drugs called statins, which regulated cholesterol. Doctors told the Okines that if they could get these three drugs to work symbiotically, they might be able to paralyze the progerin protein in Haley's cells at an earlier stage, making it even less harmful. Boston Children's Hospital had already tested this drug trio on five kids to see if they could withstand the side effects. But Carrie and Mark weren't sure about putting Haley through the stress of another phase. Bisphosphonate needed to be administered intravenously. With Haley's terrible fear of needles, the Okines worried that the mental anguish of just taking the medicine would be too much for her already strained heart. And additional side effects of the new treatment included anemia, fever, and swelling of the limbs. After consulting with a variety of doctors, the Okines reached a conclusion. They decided they weren't just doing these trials for Haley. They were doing it for the next generation of children with progeria. So, in 2009, they agreed to participate in the extended trial. They wanted to be a part of finding the cure. Eventually, the Okines saw Boston as a second home of sorts. And by the end of 2013, 16-year-old Haley overcame her fear of needles. But more incredibly, 
She had already lived three years past what the doctors had originally anticipated. Haley continued to grow in height and weight. Her cheeks appeared fuller. Her skin was thicker. Her heart and arteries were doing well. Each day brought a new blessing. But in 2015, two years later, Haley's health took a turn for the worse. One evening, the 17-year-old Haley complained of feeling drowsy. Her throat felt sore. Carrie thought that perhaps it was the common cold, something that Haley had overcome in the past. But Haley's condition worsened. The Okines eventually admitted her to a hospital in Hastings, where doctors diagnosed her with pneumonia. Despite all the improvements, Haley's body still resembled that of a 100-year-old woman. Her organs were weak, and her body wasn't able to fight off the infection. Carrie and Mark sat on either side of Haley's hospital bed, living out the moment they'd feared since her diagnosis. After watching her daughter fight for so many years, Carrie told Haley, if you need to rest, if you need to go, then that's okay. Haley took her last few breaths, and then she was gone. Carrie and Mark were grateful to have had more years with their little girl than they were promised. And thanks to Haley's courage, today, other kids with progeria are living well beyond their prognosis. Megan Nybor of Washington turned 19 years old in 2019. She was one of the first American children to work with the Progeria Research Foundation and participate in their clinical studies. Michiel Vanderveit from Belgium underwent the clinical trials with Haley and they became friends. He turned 21 in 2019. 19-year-old Megan Waldron began her freshman year at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts in 2019. She was also a participant in the Boston Children's Hospital Studies and credits their work for her longevity. In March of 2020, the Progeria Research Foundation made an announcement. The approval application for the FTI medication from their trials had been formally submitted to the Food and Drug Administration. They hope that Lonafarnib will become the first official prescription drug to combat progeria. But the search for a cure continues. Thanks to advances in medical technologies, scientists are getting closer than ever before. In 2019, the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in San Diego, California, found a way to halt progeria using something called CRISPR-Cas9. It's a revolutionary tool that allows doctors to modify DNA sequences. It has the potential to help correct genetic defects but the method is extremely controversial. Many fear that gene editing capabilities, when placed in the wrong hands, could have catastrophic results. But while ethicists debate the line between medicine and eugenics, scientists continue to search for alternative cures. And all we can do is support further research and maintain a healthy optimism. That's certainly what Haley did. In her book, Old Before My Time, Haley wrote, 
My life with progeria is full of happiness and good memories. If I didn't have progeria, I would not have done most of the cool things I have done or met most of the cool people I have met. Deep inside, I'm no different from anyone. We are all human. And what a gift that is. Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. For more information on Haley and her experiences with progeria, we found Old Before My Time, written by Haley and Kerry Okines, helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Allie Wicker, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hang a horseshoe above your door, keep a rabbit's foot in your pocket, and follow Superstitions free on Spotify. Listen every Wednesday for the surprising backstories to our most curious beliefs and thrilling tales that illuminate the mystical eeriness of our favorite superstitions. <laughs>